Hello and welcome to the Our View on the 92 podcast, episode 15 now. After a little bit of a different episode last week, we obviously had Chris Phillips on. Um, thank you again, Chris, for coming on. Really good podcast. But Trent, how are you, mate? I'm brilliant, thank you. I'd just like to say thank you to everyone that's gave us some, some feedback about uh, last week's episode. Like I say, it was something different. We all really enjoyed it. And um, hopefully we can get another guest on soon to do something similar. But uh, me, myself, I'm really good. Just hoping the weather shines up again because it's been, I don't know about you boys, but it's been awful here over the last week. Well, I mean, the weather here hasn't been ideal. I mean, me, Jack, not Jack, sorry, me, Joe and Casper went golf the other day and it started absolutely chucking it down. But you've been away, so it's not been an issue for you. Well, the, the weather there was pretty worse than here. So for me, this is lovely. Honestly, it was chucking it down every day. But it's a nice change. We had a week, week in the country, sheep right outside the house. But it's nice to be back, back where we belong. And also, yeah, last week's episode was really good with Chris. Enjoyed it. But I'm glad to be back, back, back to where we belong, back to the roots. Exactly. And I bet you're even more delighted because a certain documentary came out this week that I'm sure you've been absolutely loving. Yeah, loved it. You know, when it got announced last season, I was obviously, I said last week, I, was, I thought that last, this season was going to be amazing. So I thought it was going to document us winning these trophies and anything like that. But honestly, it's, it's incredible. I watched the first three at midnight all in a row. Incredible. It's, I don't know if you boys have watched it, but it's, it's quite a watch. All I'm saying is that all I've seen since it's been released is stuff about Harry Kane on Twitter. That's, that's the only thing I could say. Mm. I think it comes to us quite well in it. Have you seen? Have you boys seen it? I've um, I've watched it. Yeah, I've watched all of it. And one question I was going to ask you, Will, is a big story around Tottenham this season has been in Domble, mm. and I haven't seen him mentioned once. Now, as a Tottenham fan, I don't know what your view is on that. Well, there's quite a few things they've missed out. I mean, I'm not I'm not criticising the documentary, but there's there's a few things they could have put in. I think Poch's era at the start of the season is a little bit rushed. They don't really show many behind the scenes of it. But I don't know. I, I assume the Domble storyline will get introduced at some point. You'd think in the next three episodes. But yeah, so far, literally no mention of his name. He's in the behind a few shots, but that's it. He's eating, funny enough, which got <laughs> made a bit of a meme on Twitter because of his weight this season. But yeah, at some point you'd think his, his storyline will get introduced. Yeah, anyway, that got me thinking because that's the most recent thing I've been watching. Trent, have you been watching any TV series, especially, you know, over lockdown, anything you'd like to tell us about? Well, I don't know if you boys knew before, I'm not really much of a film person anyway in terms of film series. I actually got Netflix for the first time in, I think it was April, just in lockdown, because I said I'm going to start watching a few more things. Um, watched a couple of series on there, a few films, but nothing nothing really recently too far. I've just never been a big TV film guy, in honesty. I'm a bit of a YouTube merchant. <laughs> Will, I know that you're a massive TV advocate, so apart from the Tottenham Hotspurs series, is there anything that you've been watching? Well, Ashley boys, the first hours back, the Saturday just gone. I think, no, Sunday just gone. I went to the cinema for the first time in ages. It was How amazing. was that? How was that? It was, it's weird. You know, it's an everyman cinema. So there's like, so, have you ever been to it? There's like sofas in them and stuff. It's really nice. It's in Chelmsford. And, but like, there's certain seats that are done off. You've got to wear a face mask during the film unless you're eating or whatever. But I don't think anyone really pays much attention to it, if I'm being honest. But I watched a film called Tenet. Have you guys heard of that? Or yeah, it's, you know, it was funny you say that because this Sunday I went to go see Tenet. Oh, you went, oh you've, been, you've seen it? Yeah, yeah, in, um, in Cineworld, in Basildon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, I don't think it was as strict as the one you went to because they right, weren't okay. really that fast. And it wasn't okay. a sofa one. But it's really good film. Really, Yeah, it blew my mind a little bit. I, I thought it was almost too confusing at times. Like, that was my only criticism. I think yeah. 95% of people wouldn't really get it. And I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, literally. No, yeah, I, was, I was watching it and I was so confused. And I, I sort of figured it out right at the end a little bit. But even then... I, I got aspects of it, but there's so many things that you don't understand and I watch YouTube as often I'm still just as confused but it was a good film it was a good film yeah, it was a great film anyway we've been waffling on for way too long so we'll finally get on to what this week's podcast is about which is actually a transfers episode or a transfer special 
we can call it. Um, we're just going to be going over the world's transfers. As this summer especially, there's been some absolutely massive news involving probably the best footballer to ever play football, Trent. Yeah, well, what a story. It just keeps on growing and growing. Like, as I go on Twitter to update myself every day on the Messi story, because me personally, I think he, as you just said, then is the best of all time. And to see him play in the Premier League would be an absolute dream. I think I said a few podcasts ago, it's on my bucket list to see him play. And obviously, if he moves to the Premier League, it gives me so much more of a better chance to do that. Obviously, Forrest had never been in the position to ever play Barcelona or I never flew out to see it. But yeah, the message, it's a really interesting one because I think Barcelona obviously want to keep him... All, all, all ends up, but the, the amount of service he's given Barcelona and how good he's been for that many years, I think it's, it's you wouldn't want to see him go out the way he is at the minute. And I, I think it's, you know, it's a story that's rumbling on, things are happening left, right and centre, you know, £700 million is being talked about or obviously the, the free activation clause that happens every year. Um, and then it, was, it came up at one point, obviously, that it agreed terms with City and there was going to be a, I think it was, a, was it £150 million plus Jesus, Garcia and uh, Bernardo Silva so loads of different things being thrown around at the moment but um, for me personally if I was going to see him go to any club I think it would be sitting that's where I'd like to see him go because I'd just love to see a great one playing in the Premier League Will how likely do you think this transfer is I mean this looks like the most likely Lionel Messi story we've ever seen he's been rumoured away a couple of times in his past but could this actually be the summer that he leaves Barcelona I mean, it's possible, but for me personally, I just can't. I can't see it happening. I, as soon as the rumours got brought up, and as soon as this sort of speculation started happening in my head, for me, I've always just said it's too unrealistic. You know, you've got the whole legal case with the seven hundred million release clause, and Liga have said it still stands. And if if that's the case, there's no way a team is paying seven hundred million even for a player like Messi. And it just feels like that there are only a, a select few clubs in in world football that can actually pay his wages and pay his image rights and it's ridiculous money we're talking here and those select few clubs I think even buying Messi is a little bit of a risk if I'm being honest considering his age and you know, how much it will actually cost them to fund Messi so yeah for me a transfer is very 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 unrealistic see the thing for me though with, the Bar with Barcelona is do they I know it sounds really like bold saying it but do they want to keep him with, with what he's done here obviously he's not turned up to the first first day of training he, he says he didn't want to go there and you know it came out that he's earned overall in terms of loyalty bonuses wages things like that he's on nearly a million pounds a week and if Barcelona Barcelona are going for a bit of a transition at the minute in terms of players leaving and they, they really, it was poor obviously last year in the Champions League the result to buy and, and they, they didn't win the league either and if they're paying someone nearly a million pounds a week and he, he's not turning up to training and he doesn't want to be there that's a lot of money going out of the club for someone that doesn't want to be there at all and like I say, you just wouldn't want to see it end on a sour note for how long he's been at the club. Yeah, the thing is, though, I understand every point you've made there. But at the end of the day, it's Lionel Messi. So, I don't know, it swings and roundabouts, really. Will, it be the be will you get the best Messi, though, when he, don't want to when he doesn't want to be there? Of course, I, I can't see Messi being too much of a, too unprofessional in the sense if he does stay, I think he will play his football. He wants to, to win as many trophies as he can, score goals. But I think that's part of the reason he wants to leave now. You know, Barcelona seemingly going through a little bit of trouble. I think he just wants to go somewhere else and try a new challenge mm. say Will say that he did go to Manchester City now obviously that would be incredible for Pep Guardiola and his team but what would that do for the Premier League in general it'd be incredible it'd be it'd be a cultural impact I think I think the Premier League without doubt it put, you could argue it is already but you say it's definitely the best biggest league in the world the amount of ad advertisement it'd bring the amount of everything it'd bring the amount of more viewers if that's even possible we bring to the Premier League it'd make them even richer you know it's such a big name to have in the league and 
it also put Man City quite clear favourites of the league, I feel, just because of the fact they've got Messi. But in terms of should should a club buy him, I don't know about you guys thought that. Do you think it's a bit of a risk buying Messi at this age? Because I, I have doubts. See, do you mean financially it's a little bit of a risk or just having him, having him as a player? Oh, no, financially. Obviously, having him as a player would be incredible. That's not my point. He's the best ever. But in terms of the finances and what, what you'll get out of him and what it will cost to have him, is it worth it? Mm. I think it, dep- it depends how much they spend, in my opinion, because realistically, obviously, there's always a little bit of a meme about Manchester City not filling the ground. But if Messi does come, naturally, I think their numbers will lift. The amount of shirts you're going to sell... Messi shirts you're going to sell. I think when Pogba came into Man United, I can't remember how many, how long it was until he'd already made that eight, nine million pound back from his shirt sales. It was, so, it was under a week, I think. So Messi coming into City, like I say, that's going to lift the num- attendance gates. Because like as I just said then, I, I'd want to go and see him myself. I don't have any affiliation with City, but I'd happily buy a ticket to watch him play at least just one game. And then like I say, the shirt sales would be astronomical for them. And obviously they're a rich club anyway, so... Mm, that's exactly the point I was about to bring it up I mean the shirt sales would just be astronomical it would be ridiculous and as well as the gate receipts can you imagine every single stadium that Manchester City played at would be sold out it, it would be ridiculous the money that he would bring in would be unbelievable and already when you've got rich owners as Manchester City do maybe putting in an investment of say they do have to pay 700 million which if they did I don't think the transfer would ever go through but say they did say they put in that 700 million I think over the course of a couple of seasons, they may see that turn into a profit wheel. I don't know what you think about that. But. Well, I'm assuming you two are talking like he's going to be a free transfer. Is, is, is that what you mean? Or are you talking yeah, about? I could, I could, yeah, the 700 million, no yeah. matter how rich a club you are or how many shirts you're going to sell, if that ever went through, that's, that's ridiculous. Along with the wages, that's ridiculous. Obviously, yeah, I assume you're talking about the free transfer. If, if, if a legal case all happens and it's free, then obviously it's a lot more viable, a lot, lot more viable in terms of what he gives to the finances. But... Just from a City point of view, I've, I just have my doubts from the start. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, he'd get so many goals and assists and obviously the gate receipts and everything like that would be wonderful for the club. But in terms of, if you're looking at it from a you know, cynical sort of point of view and the fairy tale of it and the romance of him and Pep, you know, they've already got players that can score goals and they've already got players that, you know, you know like Hez, Jesus, Aguero, Mares, Sterling, Foden, so many incredible players. They don't have a problem scoring goals. They've got problems at the back. And if they would sort those problems out, the finances on his wages a yearly could fix their defence entirely. So if they fix their defence, they'd probably win the Premier League with or without Messi. Just with you mentioning about them being at the back, though, I think they, if obviously this, this Messi sign is an interesting one, but at the back as well, obviously Ake, and now obviously big links with, with Koulibaly as well, I think that'd be a real good sign. I mean, Koulibaly's been about the Premier League quite a few times, but I think if he did come this window to City, that'd be a perfect move. Koulibaly is one of those players that's sort of linked with every single club in the Premier League but I feel like Manchester City probably would be his best destination so Will are you saying that rather than signing Lionel Messi you'd rather see well as a Manchester say you're a Manchester City fan you'd rather see them sign you know the likes of Koulibaly and some really sturdy fullbacks and just sort out the defence instead well, to be honest, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that they've just had a massive issue of FFP <laughs> and yeah. you know, they've got in trouble for spending massive money and you could argue very much. Luckily, they've got away with being banned from the Champions League and now they're about to try and buy the best player in the world of the sort of finances they're talking. That, that's part of my reason why I'm so cynical about it. But I just feel like if they save their money, obviously, and remember, Messi's 33. I mean, he, he, I've got, he'll be probably the best player in the world for two, three years, I still think, but after that, it's, it's not going to be, he's going to thaw off and all their finances have gone to him and not possibly positions where they could improve. 
Mm. I mean, it's an interesting outlook. I've never really heard somebody be, I'm not saying you're opposed to it, but somebody who think mm. that is not necessarily the uh, smartest option. Obviously, that being, that being said, I mean, Messi and that team would be frightening. I mean, he scores so many goals, so many assists. Certainly talk about him, you know, not, he's got a, it's the last obstacle to overcome in terms of the Messi-Ronaldo sort of thing. Because the one thing I would say Ronaldo probably legitimately has over him that's worth talking about is probably the fact he's done it in England for me. So if Messi went and did that, which I'm sure he would, it would be a, it'd be a massive for him. So should, like, obviously, I think if Messi does leave, it's definitely going to be City, in my opinion. But if it wasn't, what other club would you, would you personally think fit, would fit him and overall? Well, or would you I like think, to see him go to? I think he would fit any club. I think any club he went to, there's not a worry of if he would fit there or not. I mean, just for the sake of football fantasy, I'd love to see him at Juventus. Can you imagine Ronaldo and Messi in the same team? That'd be incredible. I, I just, I just don't think that's, that's. I don't know. I don't know what you mean in terms of having them in the same team. For me, I think that makes Juventus the best team, uh, the biggest club in the world, like that. Yeah, it does. Messi and Ronaldo are bigger than most clubs. If you're talking in terms of the fans they have and stuff like that, they're ridiculously big names, and having them two in the same team would be ridiculous. But maybe like PSG, I feel like PSG could possibly afford the sort of wages he's asking for, and. I saw some rumours about him going back to Argentina, maybe, because obviously he'd probably take a pay cut to go play back where he started playing football. I could see that. But apart from PSG, I don't think there's possibly a team that could afford to pay his wages. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see if this transfer goes through or not. It will be absolutely world-breaking if Lionel Messi does leave Barcelona for whoever he goes to, uh, because everyone thought he was going to retire there. But maybe not. While we're on Barcelona... We'll go to, you know, they're having a complete clear out with Ronald Koeman coming in. And one player that has been reportedly asked to leave is Luis Suarez. Now, he's Barcelona's, it's either third or second all-time top goal scorer. Um, he's in his 30s now, but he's heavily linked back to Ajax um, with other clubs rumoured to be interest, interested. Now, Trent, I want to get your opinion on this. This Barcelona clear out, you know, getting rid of, well, they don't want to get rid of Messi, but they're getting rid of players like... Um, Suarez and Rakitic has literally just left today. I mean, what do you think of this whole thing going on at Barcelona? I do worry for them because, like I said, I think at the minute, proven last season, Real Madrid are leaps and bounds above them in terms of league performance. And Barcelona haven't strengthened their team either. And it's only getting weaker. Like, say, Suarez, we know what he can do. Top quality player. And that move back to Ajax would, would really make sense. Could see that happening. Rakitic, still a very handy player. Obviously, they're quite, they've got quite a lot of depth in midfield, but still great on his day. Um, like I say, we'll wait and see what happens with Messi. But just overall, like I said, the recruitment, I know we mentioned it the other week, just isn't isn't great at Barcelona. You don't really back them to be able to bring these names in to replace them players. Uh, and even if they do, it's, it's a replacement. They're not actually strengthening. I think that's what they really need to do. So I think, you know, we saw it happen with Man United in the Premier League for years, Liverpool. I think it, it could be that time where Barcelona have four or five years. I know that's a long time, but a, a bit on the sidelines when they might potentially don't win as much and it is about slowly, slowly building that, that brand back up of players over a certain amount of windows and it's not just going to happen overnight. Mm. Will, Luis Suarez to Ajax and the whole Barcelona situation, what do you make of it? Yeah, obviously it's very worrying, you know, players like that being told to leave, it isn't something you can come across but they've clearly, Ronald Koeman and, and the chairman have obviously decided together they're going to start again, they're going to rip the sheets up and start start from the beginning but what the owner's got to do now, if they're prepared to sell with these players, as Trent said, they've got to be prepared to have three, four years where, where, where they're not as the heights that they have been and they've got to stick by the manager through them times unless it's obviously extensionally bad and maybe they've got to start again again but 
as long as he doesn't do too bad, they've got to stick by and they've got to let him time to produce plays for the academy, which is how Messi came through, which is how so many good players came through. If they, they've got to stick by him now. They literally they have, they have to. Interesting take on it. Well, I thought we won't spend too long on that because it's not really English football and that's what this podcast is about. But I thought it was just interesting to bring up because the whole situation at Barcelona is completely unprecedented for them. You know, for years and years and years, they've been the absolute giants in Spain and now that's at risk, Trent. Yeah, just one quick point before we move on about it. I just think Koeman's going to have a real tough job going in there now because of the expectation that Barcelona have anyway as a fan base and a club. And all, obviously all this happening this summer, that's, that's going to get to head of the, the head of the players, you'd naturally think. So him going in there, it's going to be a bit of a swerve shit before he's even started. And I just think with that expectation, Koeman could potentially struggle and it's a, it might be a tough job at the start, I think. Mm, yeah, well, we'll have to see how he does. I mean, I wouldn't tip him to do very well in his first season, not necessarily because of the manager, just because I feel like Barcelona is a little bit of a poison chalice job at the moment. But we'll see. Uh, we'll move on to England. Now, I'd say the club that have had the best transfer window so far in the Premier League, it's got to be Chelsea, Will. Yeah, unbelievable. We, we spoke with them a couple of times about the players they've brought in and they've just, even since then, they've brought in a couple of big names and Frank Lampard has really, you know, and Abramovich has obviously met together and decided they're going to proper go for it in this window, in a, in a window where not too many clubs are proper buying big, you'd say, you know, because of the whole coronavirus thing, you thought clubs would spend a bit less, but Chelsea's complete opposite and they've not just bought big, big, big names and big fees, they bought quality players, you know, Timo Werner, as we said, we're talking about before about the fancy football, he's definitely one to get, unbelievable striker, scores so many goals and they've, they fixed a massive position, which is their left back and weakened arrival at that with, with Ben Chilwell and Leicester, They've got out and got some quality names and they've got them quick as well. There's still a couple of weeks before the season started. So I'd be very excited if I was a Chelsea fan. But obviously they don't want to be get too many players in and then they've got to almost rebuild again because they're, they're quite a good season. You know, FA Cup final, top four. We'd all say that was a successful season. But you don't want to sign too many players to the point where they've got to glue together. That might take six or so months. So they want to be careful. Trent, you see that they've got four, I'd say, almost world-class players at their club now. And it looks like Havertz is only days away from joining as well. I mean, would you agree with Will there that maybe there's a couple too many signings and it might be a bit of a rebuild job in a sense, as Will mentioned? Or do you think this can only be a positive thing for Chelsea? Um, it could go one or two ways, but I'd look at it and I'd say that Chelsea have really improved the areas that they needed to. Obviously, got a lot more creativity there now. Obviously, yeah, Werner's uh, got all we just speaking to before about the podcast about Verne, he's a, he's a goal scorer and I think he will do really well in the Premier League. Uh, do worry a little bit about the wages though, I think that's what's rumbled on a bit too long with Havertz, I've reportedly going to be on £300,000 a week, does he warrant that? I don't think so. Verne, 250 you know, that's 550000 a week on two players, you know, might, oh, it's a bit of a stumbling block, I think um might be a bit harsh as well, I, Chilwell, he's never personally really done it for me, you know, he has flashes of brilliance but they did need to, to, to improve the left-back area, but I don't know. For me, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I've just never been the biggest fan of Chilwell. Uh, whether he proves me wrong now or not, I don't know. I do like the centre-half additions, though. You know you know exactly what you're going to get with Thiago Silva and then Malang Sarr as well. It's nice to see more youth being brought in. He's a good prospect. And obviously, you, you, they're going to have quite a lot in the midfield now, but they've still got their youthful players as well that we saw were good last season. It's going to be interesting to see what Tammy Abraham's role is next year. Obviously, Mount and James, they could, they could still improve. Um, Obviously, the addition of a goalkeeper could still happen before the end of the window. But I'm actually really excited to see what Chelsea do next season and what Lampard can do as manager now that he's had money to spend. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see if they actually go on for a title challenge next year. Uh, Will, Trent mentioned there about Ben Chilwell. I mean, he cost £50 million. 
do you agree with Trent that maybe it's a little bit excessive or it's a little bit excessive, but by now, you know, an English defender, I'm, I'm used to those sort of prices. It's no longer even worth sort of mentioning anymore because we've seen so many times in the past, English is sub-inflated. So for me, I would, I would look elsewhere if I was Chelsea because, because of the inflation. I'm sure there are plenty of left-backs that are of the quality of Ben Chilwell, but a little less expensive. But, you know, I do think it's a good signing, partly because my point earlier about weakening the rival, I, I do think... Ben Chilwell gone from Leicester, that really weakens arrival. You know, Leicester were favourites for the top four ahead of Chelsea for a lot of the season, and they're a quality side. So, with a key part of defence part gone, you know, I, I think that's also a very good business for them. And, you know, Ben Chilwell has flashes of brilliance. He's a young player, though. He's still going to make mistakes. He's still not going to be perfect. But I feel like uh, under Chelsea, under the right management with better everything, really, I think he could become, could become a star. Interesting. I've always thought Chilwell was a little bit overrated in the sense as I think when you're English in the Premier League and you're getting into the national team, I think automatically people tend to rate you a bit higher than you actually are, just because we've got a bit of a bias, obviously, towards England. But, I mean, he will fix their problems in a sense, but for £50 million, I think it's... I think Leicester have done really well in that deal to get that much money as they have done but I don't know I mean they've got the player they've, they're going to have those problems fixed now so maybe it's a good deal for them as well but a player I really did want to touch on with Chelsea is Thiago Silva now getting him in on a free the wages are obviously going to cost quite a bit but that is a top top centre-half trend Yeah there's quite a bit of interest as well obviously Fiorentina apparently were close to signing and a few other clubs but like I say we've, we've seen Thiago Silva rip it up for years obviously a lot of talk Quite a few times saying, oh yeah, Liga and Liga, but he's done it in the Champions League, he's done it in many other competitions and he's he's, he's a stellar centre-half and I think he will be a really good addition, adds, adds good experience to the side. Um, but I'll, be, I'll just be interested to ask both of you, what, what is your favourite signing that Chelsea have made this year that you think will, will give them the most? Given that, given that Kyle Havertz obviously is fully completed. I think for me it's Werner. I think he's an absolute bagsman. He will just score goals for fun in the Premier League. He's pacey, he's quick, he's strong. He's, I think he's left-footed, isn't he? And he's gonna, he's just got such a clinical finish on him. I think he'd start for pretty much every club in the Premier League, apart from maybe with the Liverpool, uh, with the system that Liverpool play with Firmino. But if you're forgetting that, then I think he starts for them as well. So I think it's just an unbelievable signing um, from Frank Lampard. Well, I don't know if you agree. Well, in terms of the quality of player, I do think Wolverine is probably the most quality player they've signed in terms of he's young as well. So he has years to become an absolutely elite striker. But I do think the smartest signing they made is Thiago Silva. In terms of it's a very clever transfer on a free deal. So it costs them no money. The wages they can easily afford is on a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. He's gone next summer and they've got an option for a second as well. And, you know, Chelsea's defensive problems last year were, were massive. You know, they probably almost could have secured that third spot before anyone else if they, they sorted out their defensive problems. And I feel like getting a player like Thiago Silva with that quality in defence and that experience, that leadership, you know, I feel like he could sort out the players around him as well. You know, like, similar to kind of what Virgil van Dijk has done where he's improved the players around him. So I do feel like that's probably the smartest piece of business they have done for me, Thiago Silva. You know, you look at the predicted back four that Chelsea probably line up with now compared to last season's as well with them problems. You look at now, you've probably got Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva, Saar and Chilwell. That's a massive, massive improvement on what they had last year. And that's what they need. And we can taste that in front of it and all the creativity they have going forward. I guess we'll have to see. I guess we will. Just before we move on, because we've been talking about Chelsea for a while, I'm going to ask both of you, Trent first, do you think Chelsea could overtake either Liverpool or Man City next year? I think it's going to go quite close for a while. I still personally think they'll finish third. 
uh, early little prediction thing in now. I'm sure we'll, we'll save in a few weeks. But um, I still think it'll be third, but I think it'll be run a lot closer. Obviously, the gap this year was absolutely massive, but not just yet. But they, uh, they might surprise me. Will, do you agree with Trent or do you think there might be a surprise? No, I do agree with Trent. I think on paper, Chelsea now have a much, much more quality side. They're almost touching City and Liverpool's, I'd say, at the minute in terms of on paper. But I don't think they've got the quite experience and the squad's not gelled enough yet to properly properly get in between Man City and Liverpool in terms of the dominance. But I think they'll be up there and I think they'll give them a good, good run for their money. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see. I think we are doing a predictions podcast in the coming weeks, so watch out for that. Uh, but we'll move on. Will, we'll move on to your team, Tottenham Hotspurs. Now, a really, I'd say a really, really good signing. Um, in the past few days, Doherty coming in as well. You signed Joe Hart. Um, and if I'm forgetting anyone, I'm sure you'll remind me. Uh, but what have you made of your transfers, uh, transfer business so far? Very impressed, if I'm being honest, straight away. It's, it's, been, it's been a completely different window to what I'm used to in terms of Spurs are quite well known for, you know, dallying about and you know, leaving it for the last couple of days. But the players I've seen, I think we've got Hoiberg as the person you forgot. Oh, Hart, yeah, and then, and then, and then um, Doherty. And the thing is, we've got them overnight. We're rumoured, you know, one and it's never looked like we're not going to sign him. Within about a week, two weeks, we signed both of them. Joe Hart was just in a couple of days. So Mourinho has clearly said to Levy, I want these players, go and get him. And for the first time in a while, it seems like he's doing it. And I feel like Hoiberg and uh, Doherty both improve our starting 11s massively, which was a problem that I said in a couple of heads previous, where we signed players that improve the squad, not the starting 11. So I'm very happy. And Doherty especially is an absolute bargain, you know, 12.5 mil, 30 mil, something like that. A right-back position we've needed massively. It's been a massive gap in our defence. Players have just not been good enough in that position in the past year, since Carl Walker, really. So, yeah, fantastic signing. And also, Weekend's arrival. Mm, yeah, as you mentioned there, with the Leicester and Chelsea situation, that's obviously something that is very important in the Premier League. Trent, Doherty to Spurs. Now, for me, considering the price, this is one of the signings of the window. Yeah, it is for me as well. Brilliant last season at Wolves. And he has been for a while. And I think, he, as Will says, he goes straight into their first eleven and improves the squad. Um, again, as, as we said, weakened arrival and for the price they got him for as well. That's that's unbelievable. And I think it says quite a lot, as we said, how quickly they got the deals done. I think that says that the player really wants to join the club. And snappy transfer business is always good and it gives them more time to potentially look at other little players that they'd want to sign as well. Mm, yeah, sorry if you, there are a few um, technical issues with Trent. Sometimes his Wi-Fi isn't the best, but I mean, yeah, I think you could hear it all there, so it should be all right. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, um, we'll move on because I feel like there isn't, as much to talk about with Tottenham as there is at Everton. Now, for me, it looks like they're just about to sign out and it hasn't been confirmed just yet, but um, Fabrizio Romano, or however you say his name, I think I've butchered that a little bit, has basically confirmed it's happening. And it's looking likely they're going to sign James Rodriguez as well. Now, Will, I mean, that is massive from Everton. Yeah, two big signings. Everton usually do do this. They go out and sign good names and they usually, more often than not in the recent years, sort of let us down. But it feels like with Ancelotti, you know, he's getting in the big names. He obviously knows James Rodriguez from his time at, time at Real Madrid, I assume. So that's, that's how the sort of friendship's been there and then he's brought him in. So you feel like Ancelotti, as manager, is quite an... If, if a player, you'd want to play for Ancelotti. He's a massive name. He's one of, I think, three, four Champions Leagues. That's one of the most in history. You, you want to go play for him in the Premier League as well. And that's showing, you know, players like Allen, who's a quality central defensive midfielder player for, for Napoli for many years now. That sorts out a massive, massive problem there for me. And James Rodriguez is a, is a massive name. You know, he's not quite lived up to the hype of the World Cup, some would say, of Real Madrid and, and then Bayern Munich. But he's still a fantastic player. You know, he's still getting decent numbers at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. And I feel like that can only be a good thing for, Ham, uh, for Everton, getting James Rodriguez. And I feel like it's a quality signing. Yeah, Allen as well was a quality midfielder, Trent. 
Yeah, just Hamid Rodriguez first. Obviously, he was linked with Wolves at the start of the window. And I was thinking a Wolves or an Everton or someone like that or a Leicester maybe would be a perfect move for him. You know, not not the elite top clubs. He's maybe not going to get game time, but he'll slot straight into Everton's team, be be what pretty much the main man that they work around. And that could work really well. Obviously, the World Cup's the famous one for him. He absolutely smashed it there. And, you know, he's such a capable player that'll, that will improve Everton. And like, say, Alan as well. Can't say I've seen too much of him. Uh, don't really watch the most Serie A football, but he is a he's a box to box strong midfielder, and again, like I say that that's that's going to be really strong defensively and offensively in terms of the midfield now for Everton. Two good additions. Mm, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Everton do next year. That well, in previous years they've all they've always been tipped as the club outside of the top six, the classical top six. But recently that's been totally taken over by your Leicester's and your Wolves. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how Ancelotti does in his first full season in charge at the Toffees. But we'll move on to the other side of Merseyside. Now with Liverpool, they've signed, um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but a Greek left back who will obviously provide backup for Andy Robertson. But the big story around Anfield is Thiago. Now, Will, it's confirmed that personal talks have been pretty much agreed. It's just a a dispute of how much he'll actually go for now. Yeah, you know, that's been a story since the very start of the window. I remember seeing that and it's, it's really been over a period. I think it's been, I've surprised me a little bit because I think Liverpool under Klopp have been quite well known for their quite quick transfers, getting deals done and moving on to the next player. But this one's been really uh, stretched out. I'm not too sure why. And also I've seen around, the, I think it's five minute one, is it 30 mil or 29 mil, something like that. I would pay that straight away. If he's even got a year left on his contract, and I know he's 29, but he's a quality player and they didn't sign a player last year. The amount of money they, they've got, I mean, 20, 29 mil is nothing. It, it really is nothing. And he's an absolute, he's a fantastic player. He's just won, he's just won the Champions League. He's just what Liverpool need. He'll slot in that free, but he'll provide a link to the attacking free. He's got some a lovely ball in him. And I think that's a sign that can only go well. He's, he's proven in the elites and he's a fantastic player. So I'd pay the money straight away. I mean, there aren't many players that you would say would come in and improve Liverpool's first team trend, but Thiago is surely one of them. Yeah, I remember someone asked me at the start of pretty much the start of the summer, they said, where would you improve Liverpool's team? And I said, the only Simon I'd actually make is probably another addition in midfield. And for the price that you're getting for a player like that, I think you've just got to snap their hands off, get it done. Especially if Man United come in now and jump in and try and get that. But uh, can't see it, obviously, with Van der Beek going through. Uh, but yeah, Thiago needs to happen. Because I don't think they're going to have to strengthen the team at the end of the season. When you look at their defence, their goalkeeper, the rest of their team. So it's just one addition that would make it tick even more. Brilliant player. It looked nailed on at one point. Obviously, it's rumbled on a bit, but we were, we may hope, well, see it go through in the coming weeks. Mm, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if that transfer happens or not, because I know Liverpool, although they do go out and spend money, uh, they can, at times, be quite stingy in a sense, and it will be interesting to see if they lose Thiago over what is rumoured to be £10 million. Obviously, Manchester United are sniffing around, but Thiago's preferred destination is Anfield. Um, talking about Manchester United, we'll move on to them. Will, it looks like Donny van der Beek is going to be signing for the Red Bulls. Mm, he's another player that's been constantly linked to the Premier League in the last couple of seasons. I've seen him linked with Spurs, so many teams. And yeah, another quality player, and I think that's a great signing. I think he's about £40 million. Is that is that the price of him? Something like that. I saw it was £40 mil, £35 million. Personally, I feel like that's a good signing. You know, their midfield is obviously quality as it is. You've got Pogba, Fernandes, Matic, players like that. And I feel like I saw some players say he probably won't even start at the minute. From, but I, I don't agree. I mean, he possibly could start even just on the bench. It's always important when you have quality players in a position like that that Pogba thinks, okay, if I have a bad game, or well, Van der Beek can come in. 
you, you don't want players to get too comfortable in their positions and then they'll be forced to perform. I think healthy competition is a good thing. And I feel like if you have a rotating creative midfield of Van der Beek, Fernandes and Pogba, that, I mean, that's not bad, is it? And obviously Van der Beek's a bit more robust than uh, Pogba and Pogba and Fernandes. He gets a bit more tackles in, he's a bit more hard working. But yeah, he's a quality player and I feel like it's a good signing from United. It's obviously not confirmed yet, but it's you know it's only yeah. days away. Um, what is a very interesting stat about him is that he's won the most penalties in the last two years in the Dutch league. Now, obviously, for Man United fans who already win a lot of penalties, that's going to be an incredible stat for them, Trent. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes never seems to miss him either, so I'm sure they'll be uh, they'll be very happy about that. But Ajax's team just getting pulled apart in terms of youngsters. You know, they always make these fantastic youngsters. Another one, obviously, on the way out now, um, but. Another, another story it's interesting to link to is obviously the Grealish situation across the whole year, but the summer has been about Manchester United. Now with another creative midfielder coming in, is that the end of that now really? Because obviously they have to fork out a lot of money for him. So another midfielder coming in, you can't see them uh, going for him as well. But no, I'm really impressed with the signing of him. As, um, as one of you said then, whether he comes straight into the starting lineup, I'm not, I'm not sure. But when he does, I'm sure he'll impress because he's an exciting young player. And like I said, towards the future, that's a... It's a good addition for United. A story around United uh, this window has been Jadon Sancho. Now, obviously, it seems that he's put his future at Borussia Dortmund now. But Trent, the Sancho situation has been going on for how long now? I mean, with Manchester United, I don't think it will happen, but say it did. I mean, that would be an incredible sign for them. Yeah, I can't personally see it happening now because of how long it's, it's rumbled on. But I thought initially, you know, there was reports that Jaden Sancho was, uh, would, had fell out with people at Dortmund, not specifically the players, but certain people. He was making quite a lot of trips back to England. So it seemed as though he, he really wanted to, to force a move to England. And at one point, it, it seemed like it was pretty much agreed, you know, over, I think, was it 105 million? I think it was. Um, it would have been an absolutely fantastic signing. And uh, but now I just, I just can't see it happening. He had quite a lot of action in pre-season for Dortmund, and it looks as though he's at least going to spend another season there now. Mm, Jaden Sancho, I mean, that's just an unbelievable saga, isn't it? Yeah, it's been going on since the start, as you said. And at one point, it really did look like they were about to sign him. I think we all sort of agreed, oh, it's a week away, or you know, it's one of them things that's going to happen. But it never quite has. They couldn't quite agree on the fee. It was about there, about fifteen, twenty million out. I guess United just decided that he's not paying 100 mil for a player when they've already got three quality players in those positions is probably not the smartest move financially when they do need to improve their team in other areas. So I, I understand why United have made... I, I do think it is United pulling out because Sancho wanted the move and Richard Dortmund have wanted to... I think they not want to ship Sancho out, but they're quite frustrated. He keeps moving back to England to see his family and stuff like that. So they're, they're quite frustrated with him. So I think it was going to happen, but United pulled out of it because... I think they don't want to pay 100 million on players where they've got three quality positions, but it would have improved them massively. And obviously, as I said before, it's good to have healthy, healthy competition there. So I don't know, it's an interesting one. You can see both sides. Mm, it's definitely a transfer that I think could happen in the future, but maybe just not right now. Uh, we'll move on to lower down in the table as we've been very top six heavy so far. Now, Leeds. I mean, Rodrigo has signed. Uh, they've signed a couple of other players or are on the verge of signing uh, a couple of other players as well. I mean, so far, Will, they've had a really good transfer window. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised. I thought they've gone down a route which I didn't think they'd go. And I didn't think they would spend the big money like they have and spend it on those sort of players. They've, they bought big names. Rodrigo is a big name for Valencia. who's played them for the last five or so seasons, ages. And 27 million as well. They're throwing around money that big, you know, they're going down that route, which is always a risk. But, you know, 
they also seen that they've got an issue up front with Bamford. You know, he, he works hard and he get he just get a few goals in the championship, but he's I don't think he's a good enough striker to keep you up in the Prem. And Rodrigo, obviously, he's he's new to the Premier League, and obviously that's a jump that some players fail at, but. He's he's good enough to sort of score enough goals to keep Leeds in. So, and if he does, that's twenty-seven million well spent. So, I'd be I'd be a happy Leeds fan. What does this mean for Leeds going into the next season, Trent? Well, I've seen quite a bit on a bit of stuff like mixed opinions about Rodrigo because of his stats last season. But I think he'll personally fit really well into into the Leeds system the way Bielsa plays. And they certainly couldn't start the season with Patrick Bamford. Of course, a lot of people said was he even top off. Championship quality. And I can't have seen him scoring many in the Premier League, but I think Rodrigo will fit in well to be able to system and score goals for them. Rodrigo de Paul as well, obviously not confirmed, but that'd be a fantastic addition. You know, young player, got a lot of potential. Exciting from Udinese, Robin Kosh as well, 11 million. Um, I think they'd be disappointed they didn't get Ben White because he was fantastic last season, but he's going to have a big role to play at Brighton. And I think the money Brighton were asking and the situation around that, it was going to be hard to get it through. But the players that they've brought in so far, I'm impressed with so far for Leeds. And we're interested to see what else they get done before the season starts. Will, Trent mentions there Brighton, who are maybe a relegation rival to Leeds. Um, but you look at the other clubs coming up as well, uh, West Brom and Fulham. And how would you rate, we'll, we'll go to the baggies first, how would you rate their business compared to Leeds? Well, West Brom being pretty non-existent really. Obviously, they say sign Mattis Pereira on a permanent, which was, I think was the first the first step they had to get him on a permanent. He was so key to their promotion. And I think they would have been desperate to get um, Dean Garner in as well, but West Ham were never going to let that happen. So all they've done is sign Pereira on a permanent so far. And that was just a given. That should have been a given. Cause he, I think he, he had no option to buy, but it was all a bit up in air. But they, they need to go out and sign some quality players for me because they almost slipped into the playoffs. They probably should have slipped into the playoffs based on their form. So I, I don't think at the minute many would tip them to stay up. So they need to go out there and buy some players that are, ready now to provide some quality in the Prem. Interesting. Trent, you heard what we had to say about West Brom there, um, but what do you think about Fulham? Yeah, just I'll quickly touch on West Brom and I'll go on Fulham, but I think they've actually got, uh, they've got obviously got a weaker team now than they did last season with losing Dean Garner. Obviously, Pereira's the same player, but I don't know what it is for them. They just don't seem to be able to sign anyone. Obviously, Eze, they, they, wanted to, they, offered, they offered more money to QPR than what uh, Palace did and he still left. He had his heart set on there. And every, they just can't seem to get personal terms over the line. I don't really know what's going on. Quite a few players are linked with just don't seem to want to join the club at the minute, which is which is never good. Uh, Fulham, um, linked with quite a few players, but they've, started, they've got Harrison Reed on the permanent, which was good. I was impressed with him last season when he played. And then Mario Lamina, obviously, prem experience with Southampton. I think that's a good addition as well. Um, obviously, some of the players have already got creative players like Kearney, uh, Mitrovic. I think Fulham could be all right this year. Um, obviously, the second shot there. They've switched up from what they did last time and spent so much money the first time. And it was just too many players where they've kept that group core that they had last season. And we'll have to say, I give them a lot more chance than, than West Brom this year. Mm. Will, would you say that West Brom are the only team that are looking like they're going to go straight back down out of Leeds, Fulham and West Brom? Or would you say maybe Fulham and Leeds might join them? No, I could see every team going straight back down, to be honest. I mean, it, it's not out of out of line at all to say Leeds could still go back down just because they're spending the big bucks. You know, we've seen it before, Fulham did it. They could easily go straight back down. You know, would Rigo, as much as I think he's a quality player, and I do think it will become a good signing, it is, it is still a risk getting in the player that's never played in the Prem before and he's never played in Bielsa's team before to go and score 15 goals in the Prem to keep him up. It's, it's still a big ask. And I think every single team in, who came up could still go down. You know, as Fulham said, I think Fulham made some smart signings different to before. I think Lamina's a good signing. He's a hard-working midfielder. He knows the Prem and knock up permanently as well. I feel like it's quite a good signing because he obviously takes away from a re- relegation rival. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I still feel like every team has danger of going down. 
Interesting. Well, we'll move on to Brighton. Now, Aaron Moy, I think, is a very interesting talking point as well. Um, because he's moved to China, despite not even being in his 30s. Now, Trent, China is sort of seen as a bit of a retirement home for footballers. So, to go there in your late 20s, I mean, what do you make of that? I don't personally see anything wrong with it. I think he's got way too much stick for it. You know, he's moving very, very, so much closer to his homeland. He's not had consistent minutes at Brighton, so he's living the other side of the world, not getting consistent minutes. And let's be honest, he's going to go and probably earn three times his wage there, which... So to go play more football, be closer to home and get more money, I don't think many people would say no to that. So I think right now it might be a good boy for me, uh, a good move for my personally. <laughs> Bit of a tongue twister there. Moy for um, move. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Will, do you agree with him? Or do you think going to China in your late 20s as a footballer is a little bit premature? Well, I agree with what Trent said, to be honest, in terms of I can completely understand why he would do it. You know, he's playing for Brighton, obviously in the Premier League. You know, it's still incredible to be playing in England's top division, but, you know, he's not going to go on, he's not going to go on and win incredible trophies, or he's 29. I always think he's quite a good player, really. He always stands out for me in Brighton and in Huddersfield before that. He's got a really nice right foot and a good set piece. But, you know, I can completely see why he'd want to do that. You know, he's, he's almost getting into his 30s. You know, to go, go and get a payday out there, you know, his, his, his grandkids will probably be set for life on what, what they sort of pay out there. So, you, you, you can't blame him. And I also think they've, Brighton have brought in Dendonka, which I think is a great signing. You know, he, he didn't quite get in Wolves' team, but obviously because they've got quality players in that position. But I still, you know, I can understand why he did it. But it is quite sad seeing, seeing a player, you know, kind of throw his career, not out of the window, but he won't be really talked about properly in the big limelight anymore. But I completely understand why he did it. I mean, an interesting transfer, to say the least. I didn't expect it at all. Uh, but we'll stick on with Brighton. Um, some of their business may not, or some of their best business, sorry, may not even be who they've signed, but who they've retained. Now, Ben White was obviously a massive talking point, and I know we've mentioned him already a little bit, but how important was it, it to keep Ben White, Trent? Yeah, really important. As we mentioned before, the fact that it is potentially a relegation rival, I think that's one of the big reasons why Brighton was so adamant to keep him. You know, one, because he's a fantastic player. Um, and he's only going to grow and two the fact that they don't want to be giving him away lose, weakening their team and giving it straight to Leeds who are going to improve theirs um, so I think keeping Ben White, ben White was instrumental this season obviously the additions that they've made as well I, I can't see him personally going down this season Interesting I mean we'll do um, we'll save that prediction for next week obviously because I don't want to do as many yeah, predictions Apology. I'll, I'll, I'll give it too many I'll, I'll give, give it too much away I'll basically give my predictions for next week away <laughs> Yeah, no one's going to watch next week's pod now. But, um, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll move away from the defence a little bit then. I mean, well, actually, actually, no, do you want to give your opinions on Ben White first before we move on to Adam Delano? Yeah, well, I was going to mention Brighton as a whole after that. And I've mentioned Dent Duncan. I think they've had a brilliant transfer window as a whole in terms of who they brought in and who they've retained. You said Ben White, that was massive. I never really saw Brighton giving him away. I think they would have been silly to give him away, even for the sort of prices they were talking about. He'd be, he'll be so key, especially next to a player like Dunk, who is a quality player, you know, Dunk's been proven in the Premier League that he can perform consistently. And them two can perform a really good partnership. And giving away to, a, I would say, a rival in the Premier League in terms of surviving would have been very silly. And Ben White has proved that he's a quality young centre-half. So they had, they had to keep him. I'd be interested. I really would be interested to see if they play a three at the back now, though. Because obviously they brought in that Joel Veltman as well, young player. Yeah, the quality so signs. If, if they played a three, like say, they'll obviously want to play White. I don't see why you, you wouldn't. And then obviously Dunk as well, proven, fancied by Chelsea. So, you know, three central defenders there, that's a real strong core. And then obviously they've got that, I don't know if you've heard of that Tariq Lamp, Lamptey or mm. something, like say, he's a bright young right. player. Yeah, so, so they've got a good-looking little defence now. And then with Lalana and players like that in front as well, I think they've improved their squad. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what? I think Brighton have had a very underrated window, actually. I think it's gone a little bit under the radar just because of how well Chelsea have done or whatever. I mean, it hasn't really been spoken about, but all the players we've mentioned there, I think it's great business um, from the Seagulls. But, uh, but did you want to say anything there? Or? I know, I was just going to say a quick point about, I, I don't know if you guys watched them much, but they try and play really attractive football, don't they? Pass the ball quickly on the deck. And I feel like they didn't quite have the players to do that last season. That's why they struggled and almost got dragged into a relegation battle. But now with Lalana, proper quality players who've been there, done that. I feel like they're going to have a really good season. I'm not going to give away where I think they're going to finish yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with their business. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting to see how they do next season. They'll be looking to avoid the championship and we will move on to the championship. Now, before we talk about anyone else, I feel like we can't avoid Nottingham Forest, Trent, only because they're your team. Um, I'd say a fairly good window for you so far. Really impressed. Obviously, we touched on the the players such as Taylor and and Colback and that in recent weeks. But even since then, we've brought in uh, Fouad Bacchuro. I won't lie, I, I didn't know before we did sign him. But um, Malmo fans disappointed that he was leaving. Apparently, really hard-working central midfielder, a CDM. Uh, more cover for there. Obviously, Watson leaving, so was very injury-prone. So, to have someone there to potentially sit next to Colback and, and play that role was really nice. And then Luke Freeman as well. That's probably maybe my favourite sign of the window so far. You know, some would say Taylor, but Freeman can play in centre-attacking midfield, um, which could be big if Thiago Silva leaves. And then he could play left mid as well, which is an area he wanted to improve. And, you know, a couple of seasons ago, before he signed for Sheffield United, he's one of the most creative players in the league. You know, he's got double-figure double, double figure assists the other season, scores a lot of goals as well, really good on the ball. And he, he just he wasn't included as part of a cash deal as well. You know, Matty Cash potentially going to Sheffield United before, and look, that was the only way we were going to get Freeman. But, but cash stays and we'll still bring him in. I think that's, that's brilliant. And a couple of other players linked as well. I think we had a really good window and not lost anyone big either. Mm. Will, do you think Trent's being biased or would you agree? A very good transfer for them so far. Yeah, yeah, great transfer window. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago. You know, Taylor and Colback are full up with two brilliant signings. Both know the league. They both bring a lot to their positions, especially Taylor. You know, he's, he's proven he's, he scored a decent amount of goals for a relegation a, re, a relegation side with, with quality players around him. Who knows how many he could score, you know. And then Luke Freeman is a quality player. You know, he's versatile as well. Played midfield, wing. Yeah, he's he's really good signing. I will, if Trent, I'll be... Slightly optimistic at a promotion to the Premier League, but we'll see, we'll see. I can never get too excited as a Forest fan, but I have built my hopes up a bit after that pour into the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how those signings fit in. Who would you say is your favourite out of all of them? I mean, you mentioned Freeman, but he's only on loan. So out of all the permanent ones, who would you say? Um, oh, it's, a, it's a real tough one because... In many aspects, I would say Taylor. I probably would have to say Taylor based on the fact that, you know, we can now switch that system around, with, as we said the other week, and to get him on a free transfer, um, I would have to say him. But it is close because Colback was loved when he was here, and I think Freeman's really good. Uh, but I couldn't say a lone player is my favourite. But, Trent, yeah, I'd, I'd still say Taylor. Trent, just quickly, do you think, obviously, the cash rumours to Aston Villa are heating up a little bit? If you do let him go, I'm not sure what the price has been rumoured, but if you do let him go, how much do you think that takes a hit to your transfer window? So obviously, we're all saying how successful it is. Um, I think you'd obviously take a hit because he's a fantastic player. Uh, naturally, it's going to be like, poor if you lose that. But you look at the backup that we've got, even if we didn't spend any money, I think we would potentially bring someone else in. But you've still got Carl Jenkinson, who's more than capable at this level. Tendai Dariqa as a backup, not played much football recently with being injured. But still, like say, Carl Jenkinson is not a bad, a handy player for the championship. And, you know, 12 million plus add-ons, uh, a potential player in there for a player that potentially does deserve a Premier League move, let's be honest. I don't think you can complain too much. But 
at the minute, like say, it's just a war of words between two things. Some people saying he's going to sign a new deal, some saying it's close to going to Villa. So, but fingers crossed for our sake that he stays and has another good season for us. I think, as we mentioned about Ben White earlier, that would almost be one of your most important um, businesses of the window if you manage to retain Matty Cash because he's obviously an incredible player. Um, but we'll move on to your promotion rivals, Brentford, signing Ivan Tony from Peterborough. Now, Will, what do you make of that transfer? Well, it's a very interesting signing because I think Brentford fans will look at it, obviously, happily, but also because it probably is Ollie Watkins' replacement. And with it, rumours to Aston Villa as well, as well as Cash really heating up for for Ollie Watkins. I feel Ivan Tony is a pretty decent replacement as it goes. So I, I don't know if they're happy or unhappy about that. I'm sure they'd rather keep Watkins, but Ivan Tony's a quality player. You know, obviously he's taking the jump up. He's never really played championship football before, but he, everywhere he's gone, he's scored goals. You know, he's, he's been shipped out on loan from Newcastle so many times. He's got, he's been everywhere, but he's scored goals everywhere he's gone. And especially in recent since, since he signed permanently for Peterborough, he's, He's been, a, he's been a machine. I think he scored 40 goals in about 70 games or something like that. It's been, been incredible. So he, he deserves to jump up. You know, he really does. And I feel like he's similar to Watkins. He, he's not, not massive at all. He's, he's quick. He gets in channels. You know, he's a good player. And I feel like he'll, he'll manage to jump to the championship quite, quite easily, if I'm honest. Can you see Tony doing well in the championship, Trent? Or do you think he won't get that much game, game time if Ollie Watkins does stay? Oh, no. I, I personally think he's a a really, really good signing for Brentford. Um, I think any championship club would have personally took him this season. Uh, I think he, he's brilliant. Obviously, I have quite affiliation to Peterborough as well with him being quite local and I got to watch Tony quite a few times and he scores really different types of goals. Quick, he's strong. And, you know, the way that Brentford build players up and then the, the, the way they are as a club, I think it's a perfect move for him as well. Uh, as Will said, I think that does mean that Watkins will leave deservedly, you know, deserves a shot at the Premier League. But I think Tony comes in and you know, Watkins is a quality finisher before and they've just brought in another one as well. I think Tony will, uh, will enjoy a good season in front of goal next season. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Brentford do, obviously, signing Ivan Tony. But this Ollie Watkins situation, Will, do you think it's destined that he's going to leave? Or I think it does now. I mean, there were some doubts, tiny doubts before that whether he would actually move because Brentford are so desperate to keep him. But now they've got a worthy replacement, I would say. I think they'd be willing to let him go for 20 million plus. I think it's about 22 million it's rumoured for. I think it's more of a case of when, when is he going to go, you know, than if he's going to go. And Aston Villa being the main front runners does surprise me, if I'm being honest. I feel like he could take a shot or maybe a, a club that's stable in the Premier League. I think he's that good of a player. But we'll see, you know, a jump to the Premier League, yeah, even if they are sort of going to be in the relegation battle, will be a good move for him, I think, because obviously it's a much higher standard of football. I'm just really surprised so far that the amount, obviously, it goes on until just, just after October, the transfer window. I'm just surprised that the amount of quality players that are still left at the top of the Championship. Like I said, I, I didn't personally think it would be long until... Ben Rahmer or Watkins left Brentford and, and some of the other players in the Championship still there. You know, still some, some decent players. Mm. I mean, do you think that speaks highly of the Championship now that maybe players are more inclined to stay or do you think that is just because there haven't really been that many bids coming in? I, th I think we'll start seeing quite a few of the, the Watfords, the, like the likes of Decoray, Wilson, etc. leave in the end. But I think normally when they went down, after they went down from the Premier League before, a few years ago, you'd see them already have things in their contract for them to leave straight away. Within the first couple of weeks, players were going straight away and it's more of a rebuilding job. But you do see a lot of players, more players stay now. And I can see some of them quality players starting the season and potentially going at the end of the window. But before they were, they were swept out straight away. But what just, I know it's a, a completely random one real quick, but just one deal I do want to touch on at the top. 
Um, Morgan Gibbs-White to Swansea. I think that's an unbelievable loan signing for them. Uh, brilliant, brilliant new plan. I think it's great for him as well because he'll, he'll get first-team football there for pretty much all season. And it'd be interesting to see how he fares as well because he, he does seem like a good player. Yeah, he's a very, very talented youngster. I remember when I... I can't remember who he made his debut against, but I remember watching that game and thinking that this kid has serious talent. He's obviously a very talented player. And, you know, signing for Swansea, a team that were already pushing... Well, they got in the playoffs at the end. An already quite stable team in the Championship and one that might be looking to return to the Premier League. I think that's an unbelievable signing. I mean, Will, you probably agree. Yeah, of course I agree. I mean, he's bordering, he's touching Wolves' his first team 11 at times. He was coming on and provided an impact to games. And it was against Spurs, Theo, he came on and made his debut. And I think it was the season before last. He looked really impressive. He's played in all the England youth setups. He's clearly he's very talented. And to get a player like that in, who is that highly rated at a club like Wolves, who had European football last season, I mean, it's, I think it's an excellent move for both parties, really. Gibbs White gets his game time, develops as a player. And also, Swansea will hope he massively helps them towards a promotion. So, yeah, good deal all round. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know what? I think there's one transfer. Well, there's a couple of transfers I've forgotten. Uh, but we touched on the as they won a, a small little bit. We mentioned it. But one that I completely forgot before we end the podcast is Aaron Ramsdale to Sheffield United. Now, obviously, with the whole Dean H- um, Henderson situation, it seems as if he's going to try and fight David De Gea next year for the spot at Manchester United, number one. But I'm not going to lie, Trent. I didn't think Aaron Ramsdale was the man to replace him. Yeah, I think it was going to be hard for Sheffield United because no matter who they bought in, it was going to be it was going to be a bit of a downgrade in terms of who they got in goal this season with Dean Henderson having the quality he does. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really expect it to be him, if I'm honest. But I do, I, I'm quite favourable favourable of it. I think within with a better defence in front of him that Sheffield United had than Bournemouth, he'll uh, he, he will keep quite a few clean sheets. I think it's hard to judge him on that because Bournemouth have been leaky over recent years. Um, can't really say too much because, like I say, it's a new player and a new team. I don't know how it's going to work out. But for £18.5 for a young English goalkeeper, not too bad a deal, I don't think. And he's got youth on his side as well. Will, what do you think of it? Because I'm not going to lie, I've never really rated Ramsdale that highly. I've always thought of him as quite a stubby keeper. I mean, he's quite athletic um, in the sense that he'll get down quick. You know, he's very vocal, as we've seen um, during the lockdown, when you could hear what the players were saying. saying he, his voice was always first to pop up. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good signing for all respect. You know, 80 million is a lot, but goalkeepers are one of the harder positions to buy. They're so hard. You know, keepers don't want to get let go of goalkeepers. They're, they're valuable assets. And, you know, he was always going to go because he's always a bit better than Bournemouth. You know, he's made some incredible saves in the past. Obviously, he's shown weaknesses, but all young goalkeepers do really. He's 22 still. He's got so much time to progress. And as you saw, he's a leader. And I think that suits Chris Wilder's sort of philosophy. I think he suits right under the way Chris, Chris Wilder wants his players to be. He clearly wants to be there. He wanted to move as soon as the transfer window ended. He's a young goalkeeper. I don't see a problem with it. You know, obviously, it's hard because Dean Henderson was was too, too, obviously maybe even too good for Sheffield United. You know, he's always pushing for the Man United spot. So he's always going to stay there. But I feel like it's a good signing, to be honest. Well, it'll be very interesting to see if I'm right or you're right come the season. We'll see how he does. Um, unless I'm missing any transfers that either of you want to talk about, I think this will be a good place to end the podcast unless either of you have anything you want to say. I think Eze maybe, maybe touched on a little bit because I feel like that's quite a surprising sign. I don't know about you. Were you surprised by where he ended up? Or Yeah, well, I didn't... I personally didn't see him at Palace. I thought if he was going to move to London, 
it would either be a club like Tottenham, because I saw you were interested in him quite a bit, or if he was going to go lower, lower down, maybe a West Ham United. But then again, then again, I guess Palace and West Ham are on the same level. I just see West Ham as quite a bit of a bigger club than Palace. Trent, I don't know your opinion on it. But. Um, I'm personally happy he didn't move to, to Tottenham because I think he'd, he'd come off the bench at times, started a few games, but he just wouldn't have been able to probably... He'd have obviously been around better players, but I think he wants to be starting regular first-team football in the Premier League. And I, I think he'll definitely get that at Palace. We wanted to stay in London. The teams you're sort of going to think about, of course, are West Ham, Palace. But that's where the player really wanted to go. Like, so over offers came in. We went chatting about West Brom earlier. Other teams being interested. But he had his heart set on Palace. He told QPR that. And they, they accepted a bit lower than, than what West Brom offered because the player really wanted to go there. And, yeah, I really hope he does well because last season, he's one of my players. We spoke how many players played well in the Championship last year. And he was right up there for me in a, in a very average QPR team. He's such an exciting player on the ball. Offers goals and assists. Scores some... Scores some really long-range long range efforts as well. And I think he'll fit in well at Palace and, and do well. Will, I remember speaking to you about this transfer when it happened. You were gutted that he didn't sign for Tottenham. I was. Wait, sorry, I'm going to make a point about a previous... I completely forgot. Ramsdale came from Sheffield United um, Academy. I don't know how that's mm. not been mentioned. He knows the club. I don't know why I didn't bring that up as a point. It completely <laughs> went through my head. That's another reason why it's a good signing. But yeah, Eze, I mean, I was gutted. From a selfish point of view, I mean... I think he's a quality player and I think he would have added a lot to the squad depth, you know, especially with the amount of games we're going to have this season. You know, we've got a qualifying game in Bulgaria coming up quite soon and players like Eze could have developed there. But I, from an, if we're zooming out and I look at it from his point of view, I understand why he's chosen the Palace route where he will almost be the main man there and, you know, he'll be the focal point of all their attacks along with Zaha. I think they could form quite a nice partnership. And he obviously, he's from London, uh, you know, from his youth. So he, he wanted to come back and he chose Palace. And I, I think it's a great signing for all involved, really. I can see as they really shine in there and clear any doubts of Palace going down for me. Yeah, it'll be a very interesting one. It'll be very interesting to see as well if he gets into many people's um, fantasy Premier League uh, picks because it'll be a bit of a risk. But he's obviously a player that's got a lot of talent and has obviously got a goal and an assist in him. Um, well, if neither of you have anything else to talk about, I think that's a good place to end the podcast. I mean, a lot. Uh, we've touched on pretty much every club there is to touch on, um, apart from maybe lower down in the league. Um, but yeah, um, unless either of you have anything you want to say? Oh, I think I've covered all of it, really. There's yep. a lot, lot to talk about, yeah. Trent, you good? Yeah, I, I was going to potentially one more. I'll just go because obviously it's gone on for quite a while. Um, just yeah. one team I've, I don't know we haven't mentioned about um, Newcastle. They're, they're pretty close to signing free agent Ryan Fraser, I think. And then they, they want uh, Callum Wilson as well. So a bit of a Bournemouth duo. They could fit in quite well, obviously, proving the Premier League, score a lot of goals. I already know how each of them play. I think it'd be a big improvement on Joe Linton and then. Obviously, you know the talent of Ryan Fraser as well, so I think that'd be quite good for Newcastle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. If they if that did happen, it'd be very I very smart. I think Callum Wilson's one of the players I want as a backup at Spurs. If I'm being honest, I've seen that rumored a bit, and I feel like he'd be a, a worthy backup for Kane. He offers something different, gets in the channels. So yeah, I would like him at Spurs. But that that'd be two great signings. Yeah, well, if they do end up going to Newcastle, that would be two very intelligent signings. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a good place to end it. Um, I think this one's just over an hour, but with a few edits we've had to do because of Trent's Wi-Fi, it might be just under. So you never know. <laughs> Digging me out of it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, thank you all for watching. If you're new around here, please feel free to subscribe. Also, go check out the Spotify. Um, last week's podcast was not loaded because there's some issues with how big it is, but it's just it's how it is. Uh, yeah, the Twitter is also at alview 92 um, so if you want to go check out the highlights from the podcast, we put a lot of clips over there if you want to go support the channel a little bit more. But yeah, uh, thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you next week.